Welcome to The Curious Curates. I'm Jenny. And I'm Dan. This is a podcast where we chat about life, family, friends and work as we start as leaders in the church. This is episode four and today we want to talk about a little bit about what we've been up to in the last couple of weeks and um, also about kind of like how our churches should be places for all peoples and um, yeah and, and our experience with that and just so you know we're recording this episode in August but it will come out sometime in September and we've probably not mentioned before that we're posting a new episode every fortnight so do um, tune in then and we just thought we'd let you know that you guys can follow us on Instagram, uh, the Curious Curates, all one word. Uh, do give us a follow on there. Uh, you can get a, a few extra updates between the uh, the episodes if we've got anything. But also, by the time this episode goes out, we'll have a pinned post with a glossary of terms. So some of the stuff that we say, some of the things that we name, uh, we do try our best to define them as we go. Jenny quite often stops me and goes, and what does that mean? Which is really helpful. Um, but what we'll try and do is try and keep updating the description of that post on Instagram with the some of the terms, the more niche Anglican-y phrases that we use uh, with a basic description of what they are. So that's that. Do give us a follow on Instagram. But Jenny, what have you been up to? in the last couple of weeks? I think um, one of the highlights of the last few weeks has been a service um, for what's called Lammastite. Lammastite. That's maybe the first term to define. I had never heard of this term before either. Um, It's a festival around the 1st of August for the first fruits of the harvest. And the word lammas, I think, comes from an old Anglo-Saxon word, wow. loaf mass. So it's uh, it's not about lambs, it's about bread. <laughs> <laughs> but we did have a lamb in church. No. Badger. Yep. <laughs> Wait, you, you had a badger? <laughs> in disguise. <laughs> uh, it was so funny. I was like already at the front when it turned up. Um, and it just walked in but um, Badger the sheep cannot be in church without its friend the sheepdog (laughs) so the two of them were kind of like sitting in the pew the whole service it was like completely quiet it was so amazing wow Um, yeah that was um, Lammas Tide and and was Badger Badger the lamb not not Lambus Lammas Lammas, lamb. Oh dear. Yeah, Badger this is the what, lamb. This is what it reminds me of. It's like lambus bread from yeah. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> More lambus bread. Yeah. But so so badger, uh, I guess, was a first fruit. Maybe was it was this lamb like the first lamb of the year or something? Yeah, exactly. It was born okay. in March, apparently. Wow. So you bring first fruits, so that could be crane. Or bread. Or also, I think also kind of like more creative. Somebody poured a painting. Wow. Um, or there's some wool. Um, the the um, Bible passage in Leviticus that is read on that day is does talk about the first um, sacrifice. But obviously mm. we, we did not sacrifice. Actually. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. Yeah, that's, that's not allowed anymore. <laughs> 
But yeah, that was a peak rural ministry moment for me. Yeah. Um, what about you, Dan? Wow. Any animals? No animals, funnily enough. Uh, I guess urban ministry, you know, oh, we've, we've had our run-in with animals. Lots of, we've had a few urban foxes getting Pigeons. in and around the church. Pigeons <laughs> smashing windows. We've had that one. That was crazy afternoon or evening. Um, but no, no animals. Uh, life within in the parish has been relatively normal, relatively kind of rumbling along nicely. Uh, but one thing I did do is I went to a neighbouring parish to uh, act as the liturgical deacon in their patronal feast. Now, wow. here's two words that need defining, right? Yes, please. <laughs> a liturgical deacon essentially assists in in the service, um, assists with the distribution of communion, reads the gospel, um, that kind of thing. It kind of splits up the jobs a little bit so that the priest isn't the only one doing them. Um, and it, it's it's one of the things, interestingly, that I guess we're kind of charged, where we were charged with that our ordination was to distribute communion was as part of one of the roles that we did. So it was quite cool to do that. So I got to, oh, and then a patronal feast was the other word. Um, so most churches... Is that the named... one from Harry Potter? <laughs> Patronus speech. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. We've had a Lord of the Rings and a Harry Potter reference. This is going so... It's a good so, episode I'm in, already. I'm enjoying today. <laughs> a, a patronal feast. Um, so every church... I think, or more or less every church um, in the Church of England is named after a saint. Not not every church, lots aren't, but um, but even those tend to be named after sort of feast days. So there's a couple of like holy trinities, and there's a Trinity Day, or um, you know, there's a uh, you know those kind of things. But this this place uh, was a Saint James, quite a common church name, and they had this. Um, special day to celebrate St. James's Day, the Feast of St. James. Um, and what they did is they had this great big uh, Eucharist where they gathered people from the parish, but also visiting clergy, clergy from around the area. Um, the archdeacon preached. It really was quite a big, quite a big affair. You know, it was a midweek Wednesday mm. evening service. And it was probably about 100 people there. I was blown away by how many people there were. That's cool. But it, that, that, that was quite an intimidating place to uh, to do my first <laughs> proper <laughs> deacon, deacon job. Um, so I processed in, which isn't something we normally do in our tradition. Um, carrying the gospel, uh, the, the book, uh, a big red book above my head as we kind of processed in. Um, Did you drop it? I did not drop it. That did go through my head. But then there was also, because there were lots of these little archways as you kind of walk out <laughs> of the, um, as you walk out of the, the vestry, which is the place where you put your robes on. <laughs> totally terms, man. Um, there were well, also those then. little arches there where I, I kept, was really worried I was going to whack the book on because it's, I mean, I, d I can't remember if it was bare sandstone or just quite rough plaster, but it probably could have damaged the book. <laughs> so I was just like up, moving the book up and down the whole time. But no, processed in and yeah, it was a great experience. Um, 
I had no idea what was going on most of the time, even though I've been shown twice. Um, so thankfully, the priest who had invited me was kind of elbowing me and occasionally going, you need to stand now, <laughs> which was really, really helpful. I even had genuflexing lessons. Genuflexing is when you bow down on one knee. Look at this. Um, got, got taught how to do that in my robes. Um, yeah, which... that's always a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What I, were you wearing? I was wearing uh, just so an alb and a sash. Uh, so an alb, we've mentioned it before, but it's this long white kind of, uh, well, it looks a bit like a dress, really. It's like a one-piece thing. <laughs> mine's, mine's monastic style, so it's got like monk vibes to it. Um, and then a sash, which is a stole or what looks a bit like a scarf. Um, which is in the particular colour. So um, the church calendar has all these seasons um, and each of them has colours, but so do these feast days. So this day was red. So I had this red sash worn from uh, kind of across my body. Um, yeah, and that was it really. I had I had the, the collar on underneath. You'll be glad to know. I don't, I don't normally get the, the clergy collar out that much, but I had the collar on underneath. <laughs> That sounds like a proper job, then. Well, I, it's, it's it's probably the most Anglican thing I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll no. get you there. Yeah. To to no. be a proper Anglican. It'll happen one day. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what was there like one thing that really stood out for you, or? Mm -hmm. You know what? Yes. Um, and it and it was really quite, it's a great question because most of it was me just trying to not mess up if you know what I mean. Um, try and help start. people, yeah, just to try and help people kind of feel comfortable. Um, but there was one interesting bit when, during the distribution of communion. Um, the priest said to me beforehand, you know, there'll be one or two people who come up and who won't take communion but will ask for a blessing. And mm. I, I I remembered, you know, that's that's a priestly job you know, to do the blessing. And I was like, so shall I send them your way? And he was like, no, just say, may you be blessed. You know, that's fine. But as I was doing those little blessings, and they were over kids who hadn't been baptized and confirmed and stuff. Um, so as I was doing those blessings, I actually felt a real renewed sense of, um, I guess, calling to the vocation of the priest, if you know what I mean. Oh, cool. you know, yeah. which is yeah I, I know I, I know we've talked about this uh before recording this um and I didn't mention that then but I think there was something the more I've thought about it the more I've been like at that point you're pronouncing God's mm. blessing over someone I'm like what an immense privilege that is yeah um and you know I know I was I was saying may you be blessed you know asking essentially praying that God would bless them um, and, there, and there's just a, a subtle difference in words, but proclaiming God's, having the authority to proclaim God's blessing over someone was quite, uh, yeah, gave me a, a renewed, not that, not that I didn't have that sense of calling, mm. if you know what I mean, but it just kind of refreshed that again. And I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, this yeah, is it. It's a powerful, it's a powerful thing, isn't it? To, mm. um, to be able to do that. Absolutely. I, I, f I always find this like moment at communion where... I, I'm the chalice bearer. That's one of my favorite words. <laughs> Which again makes me think of Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> um, but basically being the one who um, helps with the um, the chalice, the I don't know. The... Yeah, describe a chalice, Jenny. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Um, <laughs> it's like the Holy Grail. No, it's not. Um, that's, well, that's not a best on a It is. Start. It's basically it's the bit where the wine is like the the cup. No, yeah, like a wine it's, glass. It's, yeah, it's a bit like a wine glass, but made out of metal, isn't it? Yeah. Or sometimes other materials, not always metal, but. But yeah, and then saying to people, um, you know, Christ's bloodshed for you, mm. to, like to be able to say that to every single person is, yeah, very special. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But Jenny, what, are you are you preaching this Sunday? Are you I, doing anything this Sunday? I am preaching this Sunday. Ooh. <laughs> um, That's a clever segue, which we definitely didn't plan. But no, not at all. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, so this Sunday, I feel a little bit nervous because this is the first time I'm doing this all an, an all age talk and mm-hmm. I'm doing this one on Isaiah 56, the house of prayer. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, the, like in that passage, it says that the house of my house shall be a house of prayer for everybody, um, for all peoples and yeah, I mean, I I love this idea of kind of like all, it's an all-age communion mm. um, of all, yeah, like a, a Sunday service where everyone, all ages, all backgrounds, everyone is, is welcome and feels at home and, and can take something away. But it also feels like quite a big, um, well, task in a way. For mm. me, I haven't done that before, but I think also generally... Uh, you know, creating a space in terms of age, but also maybe like worship styles um, mm. for everyone is is tricky. Yeah. And yeah, I I'd love to hear you know how you, how you guys do it because I know that you're more like that on a on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so like full disclosure, we have two different services uh and two essentially two different i mean not congregations but two two different traditions within the church where we have a traditional service which is uh, we call it traditional it's more middle of the road anglican to be honest it's not that traditional um and then we have uh and the one i believe you're kind of referring to is our um more charismatic uh evangelical kind of in in tradition kind of vibe which is yeah it, i mean it is it's, it's not really billed as an all-age service but it is it is all age you know um so there are quite a few kids who are kind of first or second year school or younger we have a lot of babies a lot of preschool kids um and i think my daughter's one of the eldest and she's just about to go into year one um, so it's 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 an interesting kind of vibe where everyone has to muck in. Yeah. Um, we can't really do. We could do like a kids' work or a Sunday school of some kind, but it, it kind of we don't really have the resources to do that. We haven't got like a someone who can head it up. So mm. um, we just found it was easier to have everybody just in the service. So as a result, we tailored the 
some of the sung worship. So there's at least one like kids song, like action song. Oh my god, so, action songs are not my thing. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, well they're not mine either, to be fair. But it's really interesting. Do you know the song "Our God Is a Great Big God"? Probably. Oh, Jenny, I'm not going to sing it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like my kids are kind of walking around the house now, just singing this yeah. song, and it's and it and it's so simple because you know so so you know what what we do is you know in a in a kind of typical charismatic evangelical way we'll have a block of sung worship we'll have some prayer then we'll have uh, a sermon and then there'll be like a response time with uh mm. which is usually a, a song of response with some led prayer that kind of thing um and and we haven't deviated from that we're we're still kind of doing that but we're tailoring the stuff to be more age appropriate so like i say we start with this again all uh, an all age action song so something like our god is a great big god um or you know my lighthouse by the wren collective that kind of thing they're becoming classics aren't they i think the lighthouse <laughs> one everyone knows that everyone knows that uh so you know the kids are all there they're dancing they get these little instruments out they've got it looks like a blast from the 90s. They got these little like scarfs. They're like, like not, not quite like flag waving. <laughs> but these kids are running around with these colorful neon nice. scarfs and like shakers. We had to get rid of the drums. Uh, they were a bit much. <laughs> and I think we're going to get rid of the shakers too. Because <laughs> they're just okay. a bit, after the songs, they're a bit much. But the kids are like dancing and singing and taking part. And they've learned like, and if it's all they take from it, they've learned something of... Mm the character of God and how we respond to God from just that one song, which yeah, is really cool. Yeah. But then, you know, we'll sing another two, maybe three songs, which will be more, I mean, they're always relatively contemporary anyway. They're always relatively kind of charismatic in style. Um, so they're relatively modern songs, but the, you know, the kids will enjoy all of that. And then they'll come the sermon block where we started um, a couple of months back, we started doing an actual activity for the kids that was related to uh, related to the sermon we were doing. So, so, go on. Is it then you doing that activity, or like the parents doing it with the kids? Or yeah. So so what, uh, the first one I did, and this is not my wheelhouse. I'm not really a you know I I can be an entertainer, <laughs> <laughs> and and I can be a preacher. Um, I find them difficult to kind of connect, if you know what I mean. Um, so, so Vicky had this great. So I was doing the parable of the sower. Um, and Vicky had this great idea of just getting the kids to plant cress mm. um, while we're doing it. So we laid it all out on the table, printed out some instructions, and told parents to kind of do that with their kids whilst I was doing the sermon. And the sermon had like pictures up on the screen that were related to what we were talking about. You know, the content of the sermon didn't, I didn't water down the content. Yeah. Um, it was still very much, you know, the points were still the same. It was still pretty much a three point. Classical. Anglican sermon. sermon. Three uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but relatively short, no more than 15 minutes kind of thing. Um, and then that's, relatively and that was short, that. That's so funny. Sorry. No, it's just funny that like 15 minutes is relatively short. Well, I mean, where, where I grew up, it was 40 minutes to an hour. Yeah. So. <laughs> different ways of doing things. Very, very different. 
But um, yeah, so it's it's smaller chunks. It's more digestible, and the kids have something to do within it. And I'm I'm not saying we do it well, but it, it seems to work with the kids that we've got. You know. Yeah. And what's your space like in church? Yeah, this is this is an interesting one because uh, there's it's a wide open hall. It's, it is a church. Um, it's a wide <laughs> open. I sort of clarify. Well, because lo- lo- lots of yeah. churches meet in schools and, and that kind of thing. Um, no, we we're still in in the church, the parish church, but there's no pews, um, and everyone's seated in, in like tables. So like, so that the, the, uh. the point of the service is that it's it's called the Sunday lunch. Yeah, and we'll do, we'll gather, we'll do all this stuff, and then we'll have lunch together at the end. So everyone's gathered around right. these tables, and then on these tables is like yeah. coloring. That makes it easier to do an activity. Kind of yeah, yeah, very much so. And behind all of that, kind of halfway in the middle of the nave, which is the word for the main body of the church. <laughs> Isn't that um, the people, the main body of the church? That's what? come on now, Jenny. That's too many things to define. <laughs> Of the church building. <laughs> but it, um, there there's also like a mini soft play and like a little tent and a, a play kitchen and stuff. So there's stuff, you know, yeah. So it, it's very clear. It's like an, it's a family service, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because it means we haven't got to kind of strip back the, or I don't know, I don't know if this is getting too into it. And this might be something you were going to bring up in a bit. So sorry if it no, is. No, no, Stop me it. if it is. Um, stop no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so during uh, in training in college we had this um, a special oh so we had like a module on worship and crafting creating worship for specific contexts mm. and we had one um, by a guy called Nick Drake have you heard of Nick Drake I was in of, that session with you, but you um, were in that. You were in that session with me. Yes, yes, that's true. So I have heard of him. You have <laughs> great book, by the way. Plug their <laughs> book, Nick and Becky Drake, Worship for Everyone. Fantastic on on this subject. Um, but anyway, so he he was talking about some of the most common complaints people get from all age services is that you have to dumb down mm. and water down the content so that kids can understand. Um, and, and he just pushed back and was just like, actually, you need to find a way to make it accessible for them. But a yeah. lot of the time, you don't have to dumb it down. You haven't got to strip things back to like the bare bones. You can, you can talk about, you know, the the things you would talk about on a normal Sunday service, and kids will might not engage with all of it, but they'll they'll take some take of it. Something, yeah. And, and so that, that's something that um, my incumbent had already started doing anyway. Um, before I'd been in that lecture. But when I came back and talked about it, we were able to look at it and reflect and go, actually, like, yes, like finding a way for kids to feel comfortable Mm. and a way that they can access something is important. But also, you know, we don't need to suddenly just start doing puppet shows that talk about like... But we could. I I, I grew up going to these kids' camps where... The kids' sermons were puppet stories, oh. and 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 they weren't even. I mean, at the time, I thought they were great. I don't think I learned anything from them, but they were like two normal puppets discussing something, and then this other puppet goes, "I know a story from the Bible that has something to do with that," and then 
<laughs> and then it would normally be like a parable. And then that would be it. And I'd be like, what? Hmm. I mean, it was entertaining-ish. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's all it was. And I think that's kind of where I, I made that comment a second ago about being uh, an entertainer <laughs> and a preacher and finding it hard to kind of connect the two. Yeah, you know? and get the balance right. Um, and... Sorry, I'm asking you all these questions. But... No, it's cool. I got I got some for you. <laughs> I'm just <Scared>. waiting. <laughs> That's what I'm asking. I'll just keep asking you so you can't ask back. Um, I mean, I guess, is it then that sort of like more traditional people would go to their morning service and there yeah. isn't really, it's, it's a, is it like two separate congregations almost? Or... Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly, that's exactly it. And I think that that's a particularly interesting thing um hmm. because the traditional service is or sorry we call it that i know there'll be plenty of traditional and because we'll go this isn't traditional <laughs> <laughs> but what so um our our parish eucharist we'll call it our principal service parish eucharist um ah oh, there's words i need to define there but let's let's move on <laughs> let's but put like, that in the instagram post we can, yeah. The um, this service, uh, the traditional service, is primarily um, people forty plus, most of whom are are retired or nearing retirement, um, mm. and have grown up in or have or came to faith in a typically eighties, nineties mainstream Anglican kind of way. Yeah, if that makes sense. Um, so they like and. What's interesting about them is that back in the 90s, I think it was a relatively kind of cutting edge service, a relatively cutting edge group of people, very like energetic, kind of very modern for, for what they were. But at some point they just thought, OK, this is us. This is where we're comfortable. Yeah. Um, and I've stuck with that tradition and that way of doing things. And, and, and I really get that. I really respect that, to be fair. I I know which ways I like to worship and you know if I were a just attending a church as a, a regular old punter I'd probably find one that I like worshiping in you know so I, I I really do get it but the problem with that is um it at the time when it was at this height of you know energy and and all this kind of stuff it was drawing families with kids now it, it no longer does it just doesn't mm. anymore um and there's like there seems to be a bit of like a, a sadness about that. How there's no, no longer any kids, no longer any kids' work to do with that particular service. Um, but then at the same time, they prefer that they don't want to not do their model mm, of church. Mm. So, um, what 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 I would find really interesting is I would love to see somewhere that does this well, where they do a an act. You know, like I could say. I, I can see how a charismatic evangelical church uh, service can kind of roll into a family service quite quickly. Like, I, I, I've been there. I can see how that could happen. What I'd love to see is a really good, well-done, all-age, like, Eucharist, mm. like, parish Eucharist, mm. like you're going to do on Sunday. <laughs> I want to I, I wanna hear how that goes. I want to see how that goes. Because, I, 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 you know, I, I want... But thinking of my kids as members of this church, you know, I want my kids to to enjoy the sacraments. You know, I want them to enjoy yeah. communion. Um, I want them to be able to access it, understand it. Um, 
And I know that that's not all that easy in in the environment they're most used to in church, but also they would be so confused by uh, a more traditional environment that I don't know how it would work out. Yeah, I I mean, I, I wonder whether, you know, is it too idealistic of us to think that it's possible to, to have, you know, like these, well, to have kind of like all in a way like all traditions mm. and all ages together that's certainly still my you know kind of like my hope and and the vision that i have and that i would love to see is where there, there can be a way and it doesn't i think need to be every sunday so we mm. have a model here where we do every fortnight we have a kind of like traditional parish communion and then one of the other sundays is a family service and then the other one is an all-age communion mm. So three out of four Sundays is a communion. Um, and and I think, you know, that's a that, that's maybe a model that works for some churches. And mm. we have a roped choir um, for the more traditional services and a worship mm. band for the other ones. But still, there's, I think, kind of like still a tension around all of that. And, mm. and I... And I have seen, you know, I have seen more sacramental services that, that try to be more all age friendly and, and kind of like, and it's not just about age, it's also about traditions. And yeah. like, I also know older people who really like extemporary worship. Um, it's not like it's only families and old people like traditions. So it's, it's, it's not just about age, but hmm. I have seen attempts of, of trying to do that um but more i think more often i see real tension and um and i guess i'm at a point at the moment where i'm trying to think is are we just too idealistic is it just not realistic <laughs> will it always lead to two separate congregations basically because the easiest thing is to introduce another service that is more you know contemporary or whatever like the basically the opposite of what you're already doing mm. But, but quite often there's there's not much crossover. Yeah. Oh man, this is this is this is really interesting because I I do think you're right. I think um, it might be a little bit idealistic. Um, no, that's not the answer I want to get. <laughs> but I know. But I I think that, and there's it's a lot of interesting stuff to do with some of the criticisms and. Support Porting. So, uh, have you heard of the um, the kind of for the parish um, stuff Initiative, where there, yeah. yeah. So there's a um, there are kind of not all that I I wouldn't necessarily see them as opposing bodies, but some of them feel that way. So there's a a a body of uh, Anglicans who are pushing for what they call fresh expression churches and or a more tailored um contextualized church mm. um and then there is a an opposing body which is pushing for a standardized um church because that's what the parish is meant to be um so on one end you have this this body of people who are saying hey do church your way 
And if someone doesn't in that parish doesn't like it, they can go find somewhere else that does church the way that they do it. And then you have the Fuller Parish uh, organization, which is then pushing back going, hey, no, the parish should be for everybody. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a really interesting, like there's a clear divide here that has enough of, enough of kind of, uh, it's kicked off enough of a fuss that there are organizations kind of, <laughs> <laughs> formed around this exact same argument and i'd love genuinely you know i the reason i was attracted to the anglican church was because of its breadth yeah. it was its breadth of tradition it was its breadth of theology mm. you know it, it, that's exactly why i was drawn to it i thought it was a beautiful thing to see a a church of england a national church that is held together despite of its difference i saw that as a strength um Yet, as we can see by looking at kind of how the church is nationally at the minute, there's there's disconnect still. There's these things that mm. disagreement, point of disagreement become a real thing. And I think that's the same down to our, you know, down to our parishes. I think there's always, you know, someone once said to me, you're not doing a good all age service unless, or a, or a mixed tradition service, unless everyone's offended. <laughs> And, and like such it's, good it's advice a very, it's 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 a bleak kind of thought but i guess the point is that like if you're doing say it's, for example in, in our context if you had this middle of the road traditional anglican congregation mm. and you had this charismatic evangelical congregation and you just whacked them together and did a complete 50 50 mix of both traditions firstly it would be horrible but yeah. secondly <laughs> everybody would be annoyed by the other person's traditions and i but think how, you need a very sorry i'm on. interrupting you how, no, 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 how i'm just thinking like i think you're right it would that wouldn't work but then how do you you know at college like one of our big mm. values was what was called generous orthodoxy which is kind of like this idea that you learn and worship with people mm. from other traditions and that that enriches you and your spiritual life as well. And I'm thinking if we mm. if we don't, you know, put these two groups together at least every once in a while, how do they learn and also, you know, learn that another way of worshipping is actually real worship? Like that's one of the mm. <laughs> one of the questions we have here that you know, like a worship band is not real worship. It needs to be a mm. sung choir, um, a roped choir. Um but yeah. So, for what, what, and it's interesting you brought up this this generous orthodoxy um, because it's it's one of the the key uh, kind of the core practices and beliefs of Saint Melitus, isn't it? And it and and it's it's one of the very things that drew me to Saint Melitus is because there was, you know, everyone who. who everyone who was aware of that would have had to have bought into this vision of generous orthodoxy. And mm. that would have meant you would have had to have agreed, pretty much decided, yes, I'm going to be generous with my orthodoxy as well as I am going to be generous with somebody else's. And I think as a result, that created these really interesting worship services where everybody there was prepared to experience something different mm. and everybody there was prepared to find a way to worship in whatever setting that was 
I wonder how you would get everyone in your congregation to go with that attitude. But that's the, think... that's the big task, isn't it? Like, mm. I think it's not, it is big and it is, mm. you know, something that we're definitely not going to answer in this episode <laughs> probably, though we're open to miracles. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do think, you know, that's, that is one of our big tasks is to think about how can we get mm. people to be more open? How can we, you know, what narrative do we need in our congregations to make more of this happen? And, you know, it might be tiny little like baby steps. I don't mm. know. Um, but I, I don't know, like for me, at least like, that feels like a core thing. I think because it's been my own experience that mm. I, uh, I, you know, the, I come from a more liturgical, traditional um, type of service where praying out loud, for example, was just not a thing. And then my first experience of that, I was like, what is going on here? This is crazy and not comfortable at all. Um, and, you know, like where, like where charismatic worship was not a thing for me. I'm like, where where are all these arms going? Just, just <laughs> keep them down, please. <laughs> Um, you know, and now, and now I, all of this has like massively enriched my, um, spiritual life has, you know, massively mm -hmm. deepened my knowledge of God and my relationship with him. And, and, you know, I love, um, a contemporary worship song as, as much as I love, you know, a hymn from the time of the Reformation. Mm. Um, if it's German, no, 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 that was like a side note. Um, <laughs> and well, for, for what it's worth though just a very quick side note you carry in a sec it's the same for me having come from a liking german you know, hymns oh i love that dan well i'm i'm, I'm sure there are definitely there's at least one german tune uh, that i keep going it says a german tune <laughs> i like this one um but no so going the other way where i'm most at home in a charismatic evangelical setting or charismatic setting we'll go with that most at home in a charismatic setting um, yet I have really learned to experience, you know, and, and love God and worship mm. through liturgy, you mm. know, which is something which was totally against my tradition. But again, it was, we, we've both come at this with an open mind and an open heart, but anyway, sorry, carry on. No, no. Yeah. It's, it's just, you know, I think it will be one of our, um, responsibilities and tasks to, um, yeah, to think about how we can um, form a, say, mm. a similar attitude in, you know, the people we lead. Yeah. Yeah. Because in, in all honesty, I would love genuinely, I know I've kind of joked a little bit about if you kind of whacked two opposing traditions together, everyone would hate it. I'd, I'd love to find a real middle ground. Mm. You know, and, and for my taste, that would be charismatic worship with a Eucharistic liturgy, you know, that everyone can access. That would be my like, oh, that's, that's my happy spot. But, you know, I'd love to find some middle ground for, you know, so that everybody can find something in these services, regardless of their tradition or their age or their background. I mean, I think that definitely already exists, but it's more how to get people 
mm. how to get other people there yeah. into that space and um you know how to help them i mean it's all about change management isn't it in the end yeah <laughs> but like you know on a spiritual level in a way because the thing is that it's not about you know when you introduce a worship band it's not about getting rid of the choir yeah um or you know with like more traditional like your traditional congregation want, wanting more children and that's just not coming well they're not coming because there's just nothing that that would speak yeah. to them in, in a traditional service if they're not if they didn't grow up in that tradition and I just I find it like so interesting how because <laughs> how how people can't see this I'm like <laughs> because to me it's so obvious that you know if you if you want kids if you want youth in your church you kind of like need to have something in your service that mm. somehow speaks to them or is somehow kind of like similar to you know maybe the music they listen to on the radio or whatever. Yeah. If it's completely other, and I'm not saying all of it needs to be like that, but if it's completely other, then it's unlikely that they will come. Yeah. Yeah. Man. And most people, you know, they have like kids or grandchildren and they should know that they don't all listen to 18th century hymns. <laughs> 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 I just imagine this little goth kid. Just for some reason, they'd have to be a goth kid, wouldn't they? Just listening to 18th century hymns. Do you mean it's not the cool kids who listen to 18th century? Or maybe it is the cool kids. Maybe I'm just too not cool. I wouldn't get too it. Too mainstream, Dan. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm living my life in my box, you know. Got to get out, got to think outside of it. <laughs> oh, man. So that 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 that's it. That's when when you become a bishop. That's going to be how you fix the the church. Then. The church. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a, in in this alternative reality, I think. <laughs> oh dear. I mean, yeah. I I think it's good that we that we have this vision, mm. even even if it's a little bit idealistic. <laughs> at the moment yeah but i i i think there's oh it's a stupid cliche saying isn't it but like i think it has some merit you know aim for the moon and if you miss you'll land in the stars right it's awful it's cliche <laughs> but I, I, <laughs> and I and i don't live by that in any way but i think when we look at things like this and it, it looks unrealistic I think in a way it's good to reach for those unrealistic things because it'll still drag something forward, mm. if you know what I mean. So if you kind of live by that principle of, um, yeah, we want to see the church shaped this way. We want to see the, the future of the church growing in this way. You know, even if our goal is wildly unrealistic, if we live aiming towards that goal, we'll still move some way towards mm. it. So I do think for that reason... You know, it's not unrealistic to try and find, you know, a way of making making this work. I just think it would be really hard. Um, but that's where God comes in. Uh, who's that again? <laughs> you know, it's it's at the end of the day, it's 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 God's church. Yeah. You know, it's not our church. We, we we might have our vision for how it's meant to go, 
God has his. So as long as we try and do our, our best to kind of join in with what God is doing with his church and not kind of fight against it, then I think we'll start to see change in, you know, whatever way it is God wants it to be. But mm. as long as we're joining with it, I think we'll rejoice in it regardless of what it looks like. Yeah, because it's God who says in Isaiah 56, let my house be a house of prayer for all peoples. Oh, wow. Look at that full circle, Jenny. Full circle right at about the appropriate end of the podcast too. Amen. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thank you for listening. It's been lovely to have you. Again, you can follow us on Instagram um, and look out for the next episode in about two weeks' time unless you're listening to this after the next episode's come out, in which case it won't be. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>